this is Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. I love this. While he yet spake. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Amen. Father, sure love you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for what you've done in my heart and what you have done in the hearts of countless others through this meeting thus far. As Pastor said, we give you glory for what we've seen. But Lord, we give you glory for the things that are unseen. We give you glory for what you're doing behind the scenes. We're, we're going to give you glory for what you're doing in the secret places of people's hearts. God, we know that in matters like this, this is a God thing. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you've showed up and you've showed out. Now, I'm asking you, Lord, to help me to be a blessing to this congregation before me today. Lord, only you can speak a word that would help anybody. And we will be careful for whatever you do and accomplish to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just looking around smiling. This is like one of those Mephibosheth moments to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm scooted up to a table that I don't belong at. Amen. I love it. I love it. I, I'm fine being Mephibosheth. Amen. Aren't you glad there was a day he came and invited you to the table that you didn't belong to? It? Amen. Uh, somebody, somebody asked me one time, they said, Preacher, why are you always so excited? I think, man, if you knew how much I didn't deserve where I'm at. <laughs> I've done enough since I've been saved to still deserve hell, but I'm glad. Man, what a privilege. What an honor. Don't you, don't you just feel like those of you that have either been around the tent this week or maybe even the days leading up to the tent meeting or the nights maybe you've got to come under the tent or maybe uh, watching online, you've been able to experience some of the things that God's been doing. Don't you just feel like the Holy Spirit has invited us to a mountaintop experience here? I, 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 this may just be me, but this is the way the Lord has been dealing with my heart on the days ahead uh, and, and before leading up to this morning uh, for my assignment to share with you today that I, I just want us to thank 
and let the Lord deal with our hearts on just a few moments because God does things in His time and He does them in His way so that He gets all the glory for it. God can use whatever tool He wants to do with it, whatever He wants to do with it, and He's going to get maximum glory out of it. And I'm thankful that He does it that way. But as God has orchestrated, put all this together, assigned everything that He's done, and brought us to the place that we are right now this morning, it's no accident that you're under this tent this morning. It's, it, it's, it's, it's beyond you how you wound up here. But God has made it in such a way that, that we're all here together and we're up on this mountain. And I, I, I love reading about the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love reading about this. And we see this event that's transpiring and how the Lord chooses this allotment, these three men to take with Him up on this mountain to just radiate and show His glory off for just a few moments. And I'm glad even in a very dark world that we're living in, in a very wicked world that we're living in, in a world that it feels like the prince of the power of the air, the devil, he's just roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. feels like families are being shredded and children are leaving homes and drugs are on the on their ambush and uh, people's addictions are ruining their lives and relationships are being shredded. But aren't you glad there's still a mountaintop and there is a glorious, glorious, glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is still Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And listen to me, I'm glad that there is no drug that's more powerful than the grace of Almighty God. There is no dope that's more powerful than the Holy Ghost of God. There is no alcohol that can keep and hold what chain that the Lord Jesus wants to shred and break. And I'm glad when He shines His glory, the devil has to step to the side and all the demons of hell had to bow at His feet because you say, preacher, you got Bible to back that up. I'm glad that the demons even know who He is. And they tremble and they shake at the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's still glorious. He's still glorious. Y'all hearing me? He still has all the glory. And when He shows up, man's methods, man's methodologies, man's message has to step to the side. And the forefront and the focal point is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that they're here on the hill and this great revival and all that God's doing. The focal point is not the canvas. And the focal point point is not the sawdust and the focal point is not the men or the music but the focal point is the Lord Jesus Christ and everything else has to pale in comparison to the great God of glory and the Son of Man and the Son of God and the Son of God became the Son of Man and the sons of men can become the sons of God and I'm here to tell you that He's still glorious He's still shining, He's still radiating He's still showing up He's still showing off and He's Steal the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who He is. And when He chooses to show His glory, ain't nobody going to stop Him. Say, preacher, what's with all that shining going on? I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus. It's bigger than a man. It's bigger than a movement. We've been invited to a mountaintop to just be able to see some things that we've been praying to see. And the Lord's doing it. And I praise Him for it. But God don't bring you to mountains that He don't expect to change you while you're there. 
Y'all with me? He's not going to do something like this for us to go home the same way we came. There's a lot of things that God does, and He does it so He gets the glory. He does it so the Son of God is the focal point, but He does it to change His people. You say, well, preacher, I'm doing pretty good. I don't need to change. Be careful. Be careful when you believe that you're past the point of change and help and transformation by the power of God. Now let's look into the text. All I know is to preach what the Bible says. That's what I was called to do. And that's what we're going to do. Our text verse today will be verse number 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw... What's the next words? No man. Save Jesus only. I just feel like we'd be missing something if we looked up and saw everybody else but Him. But I don't believe we'd be missing anything if we looked up and saw no man but Jesus. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I, it feels good up here. Feels good up here. Let's, let's just look at this no man but Jesus. No man but Jesus. So how do we get to the point where the disciples got in verse number 8? Well, let's follow the text, the process that God used to get them from a place where they were to a place where they're focused their view. Everything was eclipsed by the Son of God. So how do we get to verse number 8? Well, let's look at verses number 1 and 2 first. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. Number one, I believe we have to come apart. Remember how I said that there's a lot of things that the devil is using to distract and cause us to get our eyes off of Christ. Now, I, I'm going to be real honest because this is very convicting to me. The best I can tell that this after six days, it was, it was after six days of wonderful things that were happening in the lives of the disciples. It was a time where Jesus was teaching lessons. He was preaching messages. There were signs from heaven in chapter 16. And you'll even remember this very famous passage of Scripture because he takes the disciples up to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he asked this very important question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you remember what he answered, what some of the answers were. Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets, and he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Berjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I am thankful that there are some wonderful things, and I could easily preach, and I believe that, that the Lord was going to lead me this direction, but He changed 
changed my heart just moments ago because it would be easy to come under the tent and preach about the distractions that are robbing the people of God from the focal point of Christ and it would be easy to preach about our busy work schedules, our cell phones, the internet, all that goes along with that. But you understand as well as I do, Satan can use all those tools that are meant for good and he can use them against the people of God. But I'm going to take it in a direction that I see in the Scripture where all of those things can be used for tools of the devil to make us forget the focal point of our life and our ministry. But I'm looking at disciples who were busy doing what Jesus wanted them to do. I'm wondering if there's any scriptural Marthas that's under the tent this morning. Who you're serving, and you're faithful, and you're doing everything God wants you to do, and you're busy, and you're busy, anybody else busy, feels like you've never been busier, and you're serving the Lord, and you're faithful to church, and you're faithful to Sunday school, and you go out on visitation, and you're back in the preacher, and all these things are wonderful, good, and God-ordained. But you listen to this preacher for just a moment this morning. You can get so busy doing all the right things that you forget the main thing. Amen. Martha and Mary were in that room that day, and Martha, the Bible says, says was cumbered about with much serving but Mary was in there enjoying the good part amen and Martha got so aggravated at her that she said Lord why don't you go fuss at her a little bit and get her to come into the kitchen and help me out but I want you to know that Jesus looked at Martha and she said Martha Martha you're cumbered about many things he said but Mary hath chosen the good part sometimes we got to carve aside everything else and come apart and just snuggle up to the feet of Jesus and say Lord you know I've been trying to do right and you know I've been trying to do well and you know I've been trying to be faithful and you know I've been trying to read my Bible and you know I've been trying to pray and you know I've been trying to preach and you know I've been trying to witness and you know I've been trying to do all the things but Lord I feel like my eyes have gotten off the Son of God and I've got it more on everybody else and everything else and I forgot that the main thing in my life ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ and Him magnified lifted up above higher above anything and everything else Come apart. Come apart. Jesus takes them out of that ministry. Jesus takes them out of that business. Jesus takes them out of all that they were doing. And He takes them to a mountain apart. Sometimes it's just good when the Son of God grabs you by the hand and says your phone's been blowing up. Your text messages are going crazy. People in the hospital, nursing home, people sick. Everything's breaking down around you. But I need you and me to sit down for just a few minutes. How do we get to verse number 8? We've got to start with verse number 1. Follow Him when He invites you to come apart. We live in a society that makes you want to feel ashamed if you're not busy. Y'all with me? We'll brag about how busy we are all the time. But our children are suffering. Our marriages are suffering. You heard this preaching last night. All of this that Christ helps us to keep our priorities right in our life. If we don't break loose from everything else every once in a while, 
and get our focus and our perspective and our priorities aligned with the Son of God, then it's going to continue to suffer. Well, preacher, what? We're all at church. You come over here to fuss at us this morning? I'm not fussing anybody. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am anybody under this tent. The Lord knows I love to be busy. I love to run wide open. I think you can tell by the way I preach, I love to be wide open. I love it all. I've, it's a good day to me when I've been going about 12 or 14 hours, and I get to the house and I'm killed, and I lay down, I thought, man, it's been a good day, we've done this, we've done that, we've accomplished this, accomplished that, but sometimes the Lord reminds me to take a Sabbath. Focus on nothing but Christ. Refresh your spirit. What's revival about? Well, it's wonderful to see souls get saved and lives to get changed. But I'm going to tell you, if, if there's a few preachers in the house today that'll walk away saying, you know what? I need refreshed in my time with Christ. Do you know why so many churches are failing and shutting up, closing their doors today? is because we've gotten so far away from the main thing and we've tried to supplement it with everything else. We think that we could entertain our way out of the void of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has walked out. And we think we don't need Him. We can get the most talent and we can get the most eloquence and we can get the most educated and we can line all of this up and we can supplement. But I'm going to tell you this, man. I grew up in the country. I grew up where God moved. I grew up and when I get around a crowd like this and I see y'all's hands going up and I hear you shouting and I hear you saying amen, I'm right at home. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, it's not about the eloquence and it's not about the entertainment. It's not about trying to cook something up and craft something up. It's about some people that coming apart and saying the main thing ought to be the main thing and I want Jesus more than anything else and I know there's a world out there that needs me and I know there's people out there that need me but to be the best daddy I can be my children need to know I've spent some intimate time with the Lord Jesus Christ to be the best husband I can be I need to spend intimate time with the Lord Jesus Christ the people of Freedom Baptist Church they don't need me to be a bigger social media platform they need me to spend more time with the Lord Jesus Christ they don't need more eloquence or education they need a man of God that spends more time with Jesus than he does anything else. I need my soul refreshed. Mamas, you need your soul refreshed. When the Son of God comes by your way, grabs your hand and takes you to the mountain apart, instead of wondering what's going down on the hill, what's going down in the valley, what's going on with the other disciples, just thank God that He took you to the mountain. Come apart. Come apart before you come apart. Take all this you can. Yeah. When Jesus was transfigured, the Bible says in verse number 2, He's transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun. Whew. This word transfigured, the Greek is metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's to change or transform from the inside out. Christ was not reflecting the rays of the sun. He was outshining the sun. I reckon if He can take the preeminence and the attention away from the brightest star in our solar system that directs its rays onto our little planet, I reckon He can take the attention away from our problems. 
If the S-O-N can outshine the S-U-N on this mountain, don't you think he can outshine what's in your life and mine? Oh, we need to come apart and get along with the glorified Christ that shines brighter than anyone or anything else in our life. Number two. Say, preacher, all that was number one? Yeah. Number number two. After we see the coming apart, we see company appeared. Now this ain't just any old body. Showed up over on the mountain. The Lord called from the glory world two witnesses. He called Moses and Elijah. Now there's a lot that we could say about this, but for sake of time, I'm going to try to streamline a little bit of this. Y'all remember what happened to Moses when we saw the pages close on his life in the Old Testament? God took him to the mountain. He looked over into the promised land, but where did he die? He died on the mountain. He was not allowed to go into the promised land. But the Son of God, radiating His glory, looks in the glory world and says, Moses, you've waited all this time. Come here and stand on this soil. So some of y'all think it's over, and some of y'all think you'll never get to stand where the Lord wanted you to stand. Maybe some of y'all feel like you smoked the rock when, when you should have spoke to the rock, and maybe feel like that the regrets in your life are overwhelming you, and you'll never get to this mountaintop with Christ. But let me just give you some truths out of the Scripture this morning, that when He's involved, when the Son of God's involved, it's never too late to get where you need to go. If you're alive, if you're breathing, if you need help, He's the helper of all helps, and I'm glad He's the lifter up of my head, and Moses might have got snuggled to death and how the Lord buried him and who the attendee of his funeral was. It was the Lord. And Moses was buried on that mountain. But one day, one day, one day, a few thousand years later, when everybody else had given up and Moses was there in the glory world, all of a sudden the call came to him and said, Moses, meet me on the mountain. Hallelujah. And I'm glad, thank God, that God's in the mountain meeting business when the company shows up. Hey, I'm just going to carve me off an acre and say, I'm glad when the world shows shut the door and everybody else gave up hope and nobody else wanted to even realize what God could do. God called into the glory world and He said, Kellen, come on over. And I'm glad my feet are standing in a place. I'm glad I'm standing in a place. I'm glad I'm around the people that I didn't deserve to be around. But the Son of God called my name. You remember where we left off seeing this man named Elijah? He was carrying a mantle. Elijah had been through some things, guys. He had seen great victories on Mount Carmel, but he had seen great depression under the juniper tree. He had seen the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. God said, Moses, I I, I don't just want you to come. Elijah, you might have been hot and you might have been cold. Anybody else feel like you've ever been real hot and real cold? Your highs are high, but your lows are low. 
Aren't you glad He don't just choose those that got it all figured out? Is anybody else rejoicing in your soul that He sees you at your highest moment, but He sees you at your lowest moment? And He calls you to the great mountaintop. Elijah, welcome back to the mountain. Oh, preacher, I get that Elijah may have experienced high highs and low lows and God used him to drape his mantle on Elisha and Elisha did twice as much as Elijah and I get all that, but why those two out of everybody? Well, you have to understand the symbolism. Moses is a picture of the law. So if you look at this, you've got Moses on this side, and he's the law. Then you've got Elijah on this side, and he's the prophets. And in the middle... In the middle... In the middle, you've got the Son of God who in the law said, this is what you must do. The man in the middle said, it's done. Moses said, Lord, you brought me up here, and I'm glad you did. I've been waiting to stand on this ground. The Lord said, I didn't just bring you up here for you. (laughs) I brought you up here to show everybody that what the law could not do, Jesus done it. Some of y'all trying to still live in the Moses time, and you're trying to keep laws, but I'm telling you, there's only one that could keep this thing, and his name is Jesus. Moses standing there as the law. <laughs> he said, the law said you got to do. Jesus said, it's done. But on this side, you've got a prophet. Represents all these prophets. Who down through time, God would move on the hearts of men of old. And they would point their finger. Toward a day. That a 400 year silence was going to be broken by the cry of a baby in a manger. The prophets lined up here as pictured by Elijah. And if Moses in the law said you must do, the prophets would all say, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. As the manna was in heaven, that showed he's coming. As the lamb got him out of Egypt, the blood of the lamb, he's coming. Everywhere you look, you couldn't make a 360-degree turn in the Old Testament without the message of a prophet saying, he's coming, he's coming. But the man in the middle. How do we get to verse number 8? Well, we got to come apart, but we got to pay attention to the company that's up there. And the one on this side said, if the law says you got to do, Jesus said it's done. And if the prophet says he's coming, the man in the middle says, I'm here. 
I'm the fulfillment of it all. <laughs> oh, you, you just ask, you just ask the high priest. You just ask him. You just ask the prophet. You just ask anybody they want to ask. But when, when the man of God went in there and they took Jesus after his birth and they took him in there after the custom of the law and he said, now I have seen the Lord's salvation. Let me go on and pass out of here. Let me go on to home and glory. You know what my soul is saying today, Brother Jeremy? I'm not looking for nobody else. I'm not searching for nobody else. I'm not trying to supplement it with nobody else. I'm not trying to wait on another man to show up and teach me nothing else. The Son of God said it's done. I'm here. I believe Him. And I'm stating my eternity on who He is. If nobody else told you another word, that word right there ought to be enough to show you. You can go to heaven on what it says. If nobody else ever showed up, he said, I'm here. What did John say when he saw him? John said, uh, boys, let's, let's baptize you. Let's baptize you. He said, but guys, i got to tell you something. Why he's baptizing? Guys, i got to tell you something. There's one coming after me. Whew. He's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his shoes. And John looked up. There he comes. John didn't have to run up to him and say, Hey, I'm John the Baptist. Who are you? John looked up, saw the Son of God. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The man in the middle said, I'm here. The law on one side, the prophets on the other side, and the man in the middle said, I'm here, and it's done. So if you're here today and you're wondering how to get focused on nobody and nothing but Christ, you have to understand He is all in all. And the Scripture says that we are complete in Him. If you're operating with a void in your soul, and you're trying to fill that void by focusing on everything and everybody else, you're never going to successfully have any peace or fulfillment in your soul until you realize that Jesus came, He died for you, He rose again. And everything this Word said, He's done it. And everything He said He's going to do, He's going to do it. Coming apart, company appeared. Thirdly, I want you to understand what's happening. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias. But look at these next three words. Talking with him. Now, if it wasn't for Luke's account, we'd wonder what they were talking about. But Luke, Dr. Luke helped us out by understanding what the conversation was about. The conversation's assignment was in Luke chapter number 9, verses 30 and 31. The Bible says, And behold, there taught with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're ever going to get to a place where we're so focused on Christ that we're not listening to nor, nor entertaining all the distractions of the life, of, our, 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 of the devil, whatever's going on in our lives, if we're ever going to get there, we have to understand that the conversation that we have should never very far from the cross. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. 
we've got 66 books here that are inspired. We've got a wealth. I mean, we could preach from now till Jesus comes and gets us and never cover the same territory ever again. But he chose to make the theme of his conversation the cross. Preacher, shouldn't the theme been the, the eyes that he touched, the lame that he picked up, the dead that he raised, the glory that he was showing, the majesty of his appearing, the kingdom come? Shouldn't the conversation have been all of that? Let me tell you something. If he would have raised Lazarus after four days of being dead, if it wasn't for the cross, and if it wasn't for the resurrection, Lazarus would have died again, and he would have died without any hope. But because of the cross, we have not only hope in this life, but we have glorious hope in the life to come. Amen. I'm not trying to get anywhere on my own. I'm just trying to go through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Calvary. When I look around and I, I see some of the doors that the Lord's opened for me to go and to preach in different areas and, and, and enlarging our coast and all that goes along with that, I think to myself sometimes when you start preaching on the blood and you start preaching on the cross, it's almost like ice water comes over congregations these days. But I've got to just share with you that I believe if Jesus believed it enough importance to have the conversation at the Mount of Transfiguration and that was the conversation and the theme of what's going to transpire in Jerusalem and outside the gates of Jerusalem. I just believe that when we gather together, you'll never find a better subject. Oh yes, I'm glad. I'm glad for who He's healed and who He's helped. And I'm real glad for the shouting and the help. And I'm sure glad for the emotion that He stirs in my soul. But ladies and gentlemen, there should be so much thankfulness in our heart for the old rugged cross of Calvary and the blood that was shed for my soul and for your soul. We should never graduate beyond the cross. We should never very far from the cross. It should always come back to the day that Jesus bled and died for my soul and bled and died for your soul. We can preach many great things and we can illustrate many great things, but the greatest thing that ever happened was when the Son of God marched to my cross and marched to your marched to your cross and He took my shame and He took your shame and He took my sin and He took your sin and He spread out His arms and He died for all of mankind knowing who I'd be knowing what I would do knowing the mistakes I would make knowing the sin I would commit but He loved me enough to give His life for me anyway I'm thankful for the cross I'm thankful for the cross I'm thankful for the cross oh God I'm thankful for the cross thank you Jesus for the cross of Calvary. Sometimes we get our eyes off these things. And we think we got to impress. And we've got to do more and show more and feel more. The cross is enough. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I just need to tell somebody under this tent this morning. You thinking you don't know if all this is enough for you? I'm preaching to you about a man. Whew. Came to earth, looked me in my eyeballs. And he marched up Golgotha. And he laid down on an old rugged cross. For you. For you. For you. For every one of you. Preacher, is that enough for me? Oh. Anybody, anybody in here that was just... A, strung out in sin, you, know, you didn't see any hope for tomorrow? 
You didn't see any hope for your life. You didn't see any hope for your future. But all of a sudden, you found yourself plowed up at the foot of an old rugged cross saying to yourself, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the proper lingo. I don't know the Baptist imperatives. I don't know how to recite any scripture. Lord, I don't even know how to pray. But God, I know that that preacher told me that if I'd plow up at the foot of the cross, that the man Jesus Christ loved me with all of his heart and he would save me from all of my sin. And Lord, I don't know nothing, but I know to believe you at your word. Lord, I know I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. And the last time I checked, the only place I could get saved as at the foot of the cross you're not going to get saved in the palace you're not going to get saved in the pride you're not going to get saved in the prestige but there is a place where God the Father has agreed to meet with sinful man and that's at the foot of the old rugged cross you're not going to beautify it up you're not going to pleasure it up you're not going to get enough roller coasters around or enough hot dogs around to make the cross any prettier than it is it's the old rugged cross Moses and Elijah it's here I'm here it's done. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to redeem fallen man. <sighs> Moses, Elijah, this is the day we always talked about. Moses, you remember all them animals you kill? He's talking to us about this day. Elijah, you remember that fire coming down consuming the sacrifice? Elijah, you remember that? It was pointing to this day, the day of the cross. We got to come apart, man. We got to pay attention to the company and what they show us. We got to understand that when we get around this, there's a conversation that should take prominence over anything else. It's the old rugged cross. But I, I, don't you feel like everything's going pretty good right here? I'm not just talking about under the tent. I'm talking about in the scripture. Don't you think everything's going good? I do, man. I, I, I read that scripture and I think to myself, good heavens. They up there, Jesus showing them his glory. They're talking to Moses and Elijah. Everything's going good. Until there's a confusing answer. Don't y'all get quiet on me now. What's that next verse start off with? When y'all read it to me real quick. Okay, who asked him a question? Where'd the question come from? Can y'all help me with that? Then answered Peter. Who asked Peter a question? I can't find nobody in the scripture that asked him a question except for himself. Look here. Everything about this meeting was going great. Until one man decided to start answering an unasked question. We'll read in the other accounts of the transfiguration that Peter answered something because the Bible, and my, what I would say, they said this. He didn't know what else to say. Lord, help. This is where I need to get right with God. Anybody else ever talk just because you get nervous and you feel like that it right now would be a real good time to say something? This scripture's in here for people like me and you. Y'all hearing me? Sometimes it's better to keep our mouths shut and enjoy the glory of God 
than feeling like we need to say something. When God is speaking, I need to decrease and let Him increase. Peter's sitting there and he said, man, this is going great. What a meeting we're having. Glory! Hallelujah! I need to answer somebody something. I need to build three tabernacles. Everybody wants to jump in when it gets good. Everybody wants to throw their two cents in when God's moving. Only problem is nobody asked you, Peter. Is this making sense to you, fellas? All right, good, good. I'm going to be honest, I've spoke up when I shouldn't have. I've said things when I should have kept my mouth shut. And the worst part about it, God is merciful, but sometimes because of my stupidity, it's hindered the move of God. When I tried to put myself as the focal point, instead of letting His glory shine far above anything I have to say, the whole meeting changed when Peter stepped out to the front. Y'all with me? The whole meeting changed when it became about one man instead of the man, Jesus Christ. When our churches become about a man, instead of the man, we're in trouble. When revivals become more about a man than they do the man, we're in trouble. Don't get quiet on me now, church. Y'all know this. Oh, my heart's beating, preacher. I need to do so. I need to show up. Somebody need to hear what I got to say. Sometimes, Peter, you need to be quiet. Well, Peter's intentions were good. I think all of our intentions would be good. Mm, yeah. Let's build three tabernacles. Now listen, I'm thankful when God's moving, it inspires us to want to do something. We just have to make sure our want to is in alignment with His will. And when He, and when His want to started turning... He's thinking about the Feast of Tabernacles and he's thinking about remembrance and revisiting and his intentions are all well and good. And he's, he's fired up and I love Peter. I can relate with Peter. I, I, I mean, I'm fired up too, y'all. I, I am. I pray God. But I sit up behind the pulpit and say, Lord, help me to say everything I should, nothing that I shouldn't. When you say this many words, it gets dangerous. But his, his intentions were good. But here's where the Holy Ghost helped my heart. I would say, Lord, his intentions were so good. I see his focus getting off, and he then becomes the focal point. I get all that. But, Lord, he's wanting to remember. He's wanting to install this Feast of Tabernacles. He's wanting to do some good things. But the Lord spoke to my heart, Pastor Keith, and he said, Kellen, I didn't take Peter up there so Peter could work. I took Peter up there so I could work on Peter. Peter wanted to get to work. Hey, baby. Peter wanted to get to work. A lot of us want to get to work. But how many of you know to get to verse number eight, we need to spend time letting him be the focal point? Now, now preacher, when would this have been right? If Jesus would have looked over at Peter and said, Peter, this is a good place to build three tabernacles. 
Time to go get the hammers and nails, boys. Y'all hear me? When Jesus says it's a good place to build, that's when we build. But until he gives the order, Lord, I'm real fine with just letting you be you. This is my Mephibosheth moment right here. The king's sitting at the table with me. I don't even deserve to be here. I'm not going to be offering to put the centerpiece on the table. Y'all hearing me? Thank you, Jesus, that we're here. God didn't bring us here so we could do some kind of work and be recognized. God brought us here so he could work on us. We need the work. We need him to work on us. Is this making sense to anybody they saw no man but Jesus, but the process to get there, I see how the Holy Spirit works on my heart to get me to the place where I say, Lord, I don't need to be the focal point. I don't want to be the focal point anymore. I want Christ to shine brighter than anything else that we could say or do. Because if He don't show out, we're missing the mark. We're missing everything about this. So there's a confusing answer, but thank God in the midst of all this, this is what I love. I'm, I'm mentioning the last rites of death right here. I'm almost done, all right? So hang with me just a moment. The Bible says this. When he said that he was going to build three tabernacles, verse number five, while he yet spake. What's that mean? God interrupted him. While he yet spake, the cloud appeared. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. If we're going to get to verse number 8, we need to remember that if Jesus is heaven's focal point, he surely needs to be the focal point of the church. The Lord said, oh, oh, Peter, hold on a minute. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in him. You hush and hear him. That Shekinah glory stopped good intentions from messing everything up and immediately put the attention right back on the Son of God. Oh, revival needs God to interrupt our plans and our intentions. God needs to interrupt my good intentions and my ambitions and put my eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Peter, you had good intentions, but aren't you glad that God interrupts good intentions? Aren't you glad God interrupts good ambitions? And he puts our heart right back on the main thing. Now what happened when God interrupted Peter's speech and his plans and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. I just believe this, when God gets around like God's been moving in this meeting, there should be a holy reverence. There should be an absolute holy reverence that's taking place in a meeting like this. God dealing with you? Have you been distracted? Have you got your eyes, whether you're so busy in the ministry, 
that you can't see straight, or maybe you're as lost as a goose and you don't know whether or not if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. No matter what side of that you're on, you hear me, the devil trying to distract you. And he's trying to get your eyes, your mind, your ambitions, your intentions, and everything else on everything else except for Jesus Christ. If you're lost, he wants you to think you've got plenty of time, live your life, fulfill your purposes, do all the good deeds, do all these things, and at the end of this thing, you can make things right. I've got news for you. When the holy God of heaven decides to shine in his glory and he gets our intention, it should not be that we try to meet God on our terms because, honey, listen to me, we can only get to God on his terms. He must draw us. He must convict us. He must pull us to himself. And when he does that, it's not for negotiation. It's not for me to say, now, Lord, I'll do this if you do that and you do that and I'll do that. No, we come to him of who we are, a low-down, rotten, good-for-nothing sinner that needs salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we plow up at his feet, we trust that the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin. And I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil trying to distract you from that. And what else is he trying to distract you from right here? You're serving him. But you're caught up in everything else. But you're looking around wondering what you can build, wondering what you can do, wondering how you can do it. But in a meeting like this, God puts us on our face. Now, here's the deal. When they went down, they were looking at them and everybody else. But when they went, when they went down, they didn't come up the same. Y'all hear me? When they went down, Brent, just look down right here. What's the Bible say Jesus did? He went and he laid his hands on touched him. That's what we need. We don't need more religious movements. We need a touch from the master. We need a touch. Now, when the Lord touched him and he looked up, what's the Bible say? Arise. Be not afraid. There's three of you guys here. Just let me touch you with your head down right here. Could you imagine this? The Son of God. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he just snuggled them all up at the same time. <laughs> I don't know if it's one at a time. I, I don't know. But the Bible tells us what did he do? He touched them. Their heads were down. They were scared for their lives. The Shekinah glory of God showed up. He thundered from the glory world. Some of y'all think you're going to just go talk to God when you get to heaven. Read your Bible again, man. I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to be in there just chewing your chewing gum in front of a holy God when he just thundered from the glory world. We went down. But he touched him. Guys, will you will you arise? Let me move out the picture. Y'all just look up here. Who do you see now? What's the Bible say? No man save Jesus only. That's where we want to get to. They're not seeing the message. They're not seeing the messenger. They're not seeing the lights and the camera and the action. They're not seeing any of that. Amen. They got a touch from the master. Amen. 
And when the master said, Arise and be not afraid, and they lifted up their eyes, they were not focused on who had been called up from the glory world. They were not thinking about the law. They were not thinking about the prophets. They were not thinking about lunch. They were not thinking about dinner. They were not thinking about the game. They weren't thinking about social media. They weren't thinking about family. They weren't thinking about nothing else except for the one that brought them up to the mountain and the one that laid his hands on them and the one that called them up and said, Be not afraid. Arise. And when their eyes opened, they saw Jesus and saw Him only. There was no competition for attention anymore on the mountain. Jesus don't need us to, to have some kind of competition for His attention. We need our eyes on Him. We need to focus on Him. We need to serve Him with everything that we've got and say, Lord, I need everything else out of my vision for just a few minutes and I need to see Jesus. Thank you, guys. Preacher, I'm done. Thank you for letting me preach. Try my best to get a hold of the Lord for this. But all I know is we're living in real distracting times. Will you just bow your head for a second? I'm just going to ask you two questions, really, and give you an opportunity to come pray. Is it okay if I do this, Pastor? Uh, if we got a piano player, just play something softly. I just want to obey the Lord for just a minute. All right, first of all, Anybody under this tent, Holy Ghost spoke to your heart, showed you you're lost? Anybody? Anybody under this tent? Want to raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm lost. I need Jesus as my Savior. Listen, the most important thing you can ever know in your life is Jesus is your Savior. Don't let anything else distract you from that right there, okay? All right, that's settled in your heart, and we've got some praying already. But I wonder, if, is there anybody in here who's been serving, been trying, working, doing everything you can, but somehow... Everything else has got your eyes off the main thing. You need to refocus on Christ. Why don't you come? Why don't you ask the Lord to touch you while you're here in this altar so when you lift up your eyes, you're not thinking about who hurt your feelings. You're not thinking about who said what. You're not thinking about what went wrong and what's going to keep you out of church. You're not thinking about what's going to stop you from singing your song. You're not going to think about who's going to stop you from reading your Bible and what's mood's going to strike you when it's here but when you get a touch from the master and you look up you're going to see Jesus the one who bled for you the one who died for you and the one that got up for you listen the Lord wants to help you he wants to touch you he wants to change you and he's brought us to a mountaintop these days that we've got to serve together, these days we've got to worship together in my life, this has been a mountaintop for me. I feel like the Lord has invited us to a special place, dealt with us in a special way. Don't leave the same as you came. Let God touch your life. Let Him change you for His glory. Let Him do the work that only He can do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we sure love you, and we thank you that for whatever reason you've chosen to invite us to a special place of communion and help, you've invited us to a place where we could experience some of that glorious glow of the Son of God. We thank you for what you've been doing this week, we thank you for how you've been moving, souls that have been saved, lives that have been touched and changed. We thank you, God, for showing up 
We thank you for showing out. We thank you for changing lives. We thank you for knitting hearts together, letting us serve together. Lord, we thank you for all that. I pray today, Lord, for people that are around this altar, people in their seats that are asking you for a special and fresh touch so that when we lift up our eyes, we see no man but Jesus. Lord God, only you can do this. Only you can quieten the noise. Only you can pierce through the expectations and help us to just focus on Christ. Thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. Thank you for the people. Thank you for this dear pastor. We give you glory now in Jesus' name.